Welcome back to Word Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio on location in the construction zone that is the bowels of XL Energy Center. They're redoing the Audi Quattro Club. Is it still called the Audi Quattro Club? They're redoing the, it. I think so. That's what the signs on the, yeah. okay. on the wall say. So they're redoing it, which means that they're redoing uh, Kevin Fallness's lair. So we're in like one of the dark rooms that are turning into the second studio for the wild. So uh, really appreciate Kevin giving us this construction zone. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in. Um, October 11th, the night before the home opener against the Florida Panthers, we're going to be doing a live show at Elsie's. So that is our next live show, October 11th at Elsie's in Northeast Minneapolis, uh, 7 p.m. We're going to have plenty of talking about what the game is. We're a few topics day. on the plate yeah, that night. exactly. By the way, you look a little um, tan. A little bit. I've spent some time outside and been trying to keep a golf game sharp here with only a couple of weeks left in the golf season, but not much time outside today. I've, been t- I've had quite a day today. St. Paul for wild practice, over to Minneapolis for a Twins game, raced up to Fridley for football practice, Back down to St. Paul for wild game tonight, and of course a podcast prior to faceoff. I didn't even see did the Twins win today. They lost two to one. Final home game, my final Twins show of the year. So now my life gets a little bit simpler. I always tell people September is my busiest month of the year, which mm-hmm. I think I don't, I don't think people assume that. But with the wild camp underway, I still have Twins games on my schedule, and then my high school football coaching duties as well it's there are a lot of days like this where all three are on the agenda Mm -hmm. so it's it makes it for some frantic days but it was fun to cover the twins down the stretch as they clinch their spot in the playoffs we know it will start next tuesday we don't have any coverage for it live on bally's i know we're going to do some social media stuff but we're not doing because the games are all nationally televised today was my last part of twin shows so Mm -hmm. are the it, next three wild games televised? We have the next three, not tonight. Okay, but then so we the have final the next three. We yep. have Saturday and then next week, Thursday and Saturday. So, so everybody I, can stop complaining. Well, and my role just now becomes simpler because now I can focus on the wild and and one hundred percent get ready for the mm-hmm. season with them. So it's um, disappointing. I always hate to see a season come to an end, and I'll, I'll be excited to watch the Twins in the playoffs. But yeah. we don't. I won't have any part of those shows. If they win the World Series, though, do you say, "Hey, remember me" when they're coming up with their rings? <laughs> hey, remember I was part of this for eighty games. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think I'm high on their list of rings. Let's just say that. But it was fun, and I love the analyst guys I work with. There have so much fun with, as opposed the, to here. Well. Just some of the other like well, bloggers and reporters. Yeah. But, you know, it's the we have a great crew. And in fact, that was I think I told you we had had a round of golf at the Royal Club and we ended up getting a chance to play again with the same crew at Spring Hill last week, where we got it organized to get our analysts from the multiple sports together. Mm-hmm. And it's so much fun. Sometimes I lose sight of the fact that I work with all these guys. But they don't work with each other. Right. So that's like new for them. It was. And to just it led to some really interesting conversations about the difference between covering a baseball team, covering a basketball team, covering a hockey team. So we had Jim Peterson with us, Justin Morneau, Tim Laudner, Wes Walls. Ryan Carter is going to play the next round with us. He couldn't play the time we played there. Glenn Perkins is going to play the next one, but he couldn't play because of injury the last time around. But just to Get a chance to ch- chat a little bit about what it's like to cover a different sport, what the daily routine is, what the daily access is with your team partner. And as I've talked a few times, and you're, you're a little bit in the same boat as me, people that don't do what we do really have no understanding of what the season is like. And I hesitate to call it a grind because we travel on a first class jet and we stay in you. great hotels we go to let's just it's a, let's, you travel on the first I do one, yeah. but it's and it is so the travel itself couldn't be any easier couldn't be any better we're yeah. in great cities we're going to great restaurants staying in great hotels and yeah i fly on a charter jet in a first class seat every time yeah. but it's still a grind it's still 6 months of travel it's still almost every day is a travel day you're either flying into a city or you're playing a game and flying out of the city and on to the next. And it's you're still going for six months with almost every spare thought being on that next game, the next yeah. opponent, the next team. 
getting rapid fire text messages from Wes Walls saying, Hey, I was just thinking about what Jewel Erickson X doing on faceoffs in his own zone on the left side. Think there's anything there? <laughs> and well, no. And and I love it. I absolutely love getting his input. But then you're so you're just constantly thinking about that team and the next game, next opponent for six months. And the only people that really understand that are the guys who do it covering the Wolves or covering the Twins, where you just are, as as good as the life is, it's still six months of being on the road basically all the time. And when you come home, you might be home for six days, but three or four of them are game nights. And, and two of them are podcast nights. Right. You're, yeah, so you're not really <laughs> just settling at home and throwing your feet up on a table. So I don't mean to say this to complain about the life in any way. I love it, and I love every minute of it. And I was just with a bunch of my high school buddies over the weekend, and I said, look, I'm in a rare, they're all, a lot of these guys are talking about retirement already. And I'm like, retirement? They said, how much longer would you do your job? I said, like 25 more years. I mean, I I hope. And they all kind of looked at me. I said, I get it. My job's different. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I wouldn't quit. Mm-hmm. I'd keep doing exactly I used what to say I'm that. doing. Well, I know. And I know you would. because <laughs> I, I used to say that I know, a lot. But I know but... you would quit now because you don't like some of the aspects of your job. But there's other parts that you truly love, and that's why you're good at what you do. But it was just, anyway, it's just a couple of interesting comments about it. And so when we get all those guys together, it's just fun to to listen to just a few of the little things that are different about each sport, but yeah. from people that really understand what yeah. the life is like to be on the road for yeah. six months. It is, it is funny you brought this up because I uh, met up with uh, Joe Smith today for lunch and, and it it is funny. It's like all of a sudden you go from like a summer of kind of like, you, you know, you're working, but not really working. Well, especially now, this summer yeah, with yeah, this team because yeah. there just wasn't much yeah. going on. But it was kind of cool today. Like we grabbed the schedule and we started like mapping out not only the schedule, but like when we're writing articles, like we have every day pretty much set up through the rest of training camp. And and it was kind of fun. It gets you get like, I, you know, it's funny. You're not even going to believe what I'm about to say. I, I, I sat down with uh, Zuccarello today for an interview. And it was like I walked away from that and just like ready to go. Like I was so excited to like like um, you know uh, like write the story and kind of like it kind of motivated me to like all right let's go kind of map out. Um, I'm sitting down with somebody really cool tomorrow for a story today. I went out to um, Burnsville and I met up with Natalie Darwitz and I honestly I called my editor after that. I was like I cannot wait to write this article on this on on Natalie's job as the GM of the PWHL team here in Minnesota because it was such a great interview. Like. First of all, she's a freaking great quote. But you sit down with Natalie Darwitz. It's really the first time I've ever had a long conversation with her. And like you you could see why she's going to be successful at this job. Like you're like like I want I walked away from like almost like I want to work for her. Like she just kind of motivates you. Yeah, you can see why she was such energy. a great leader. Well, and but that's, it kind of like it, it pepped me up for the rest of the day. But to that's get, the kind get of stuff work. that this job provides that yeah. a lot of jobs can't. And I think that's why. Some of these guys are, I'm two years from retirement, I'm four years from retirement, whatever the number might be. And I've always told people, for me, it's the game is what recharges you. Yeah. So you yeah. pour yourself into the prep, you you have some late nights of staying up back-to-back games where you're crunching numbers mm-hmm. and building the next the next day's show and all that kind of stuff. And you get to the arena and then the game, if you're – body is like a battery the game recharges it and now all of a sudden you leave Mm -hmm. and it's electric the place is roaring the crowd's exciting you're watching the best hockey players in the world in great arenas you leave recharged to now do it again to get ready for the next game and that's probably a little bit similar to what you're describing is you have the great interview with a guy and okay now i feel like i'm ready to go yeah and that's why when the team isn't very good and it's happened more in baseball than in hockey for me because it can really drag you down when at the end of a season you're going through a month yep. of games that don't matter and every single night yep. you're going to the ballpark and there is no energy. You know, And so it, it, can, yeah. it can get tough, but that's why I feel like right now there's those little things. Tonight's going to be the first game I've seen in person since last season. Mm-hmm. And Saturday night's going to be the first game I call since yeah. last season. And when all those little steps happen and it starts to become more real that the season's upon us, that recharging process is starting. Absolutely. Um, and that's how I felt during the Eastern Final and the Stanley Cup Final. I was just like, every day I could not get wait to get to the rink. And that's how I am with hockey, too. I mean, obviously, we have very different jobs, but there's nothing 
like I love covering the 82 games. It's it's the days between when you're trying to like, you know, that that sometimes feels like work. But then you have a great interview. Like I, I remember um, going and sitting down in Erickson X house and and getting to he dropped me off at the train station when we were done. And I remember calling my editor. I'm like, I cannot wait for the, to write this stuff. Um, of course, I procrastinated like a month to do it. Um, by the way, part one of that ran today. And then part two, which is going to be the really cool, colorful story. Uh, that'll run here um, a couple days before the season or maybe even opening night. We're kind of depending. It, de- it depends on a couple things that Joe and I are working on and whether or not that's the opening night story if it runs a couple days before. But um excited to cover tonight's first exhibition game against the Colorado Avalanche. Tonight's also the night that a lot of the media gets to watch the game from Craig Leopold's suite and gets access to interviewing the owner and things like that. So you'll read that in The Athletic um, as well. Um, the, the story I'm writing on Natalie Darwitz will run next week. And I'm telling you, if, if you are not – if you don't know a lot about Natalie, uh, you'll really, really enjoy that story as long as I write it well. Sometimes – sometimes – I say that and then I write the story and I'm like, the quotes will be good. well, that's the thing. Every <laughs> time, I always tell you my best writing is great quotes. So like I walked away from her knowing it's going to be a good story because all I got to do is quote her. Right. Uh, she, she's just she's got such a way with words. I, I had just a blast talking to her. The other cool thing that today that kind of motivated me when I woke up is uh, although my mother seems to think that and, and I kind of vaguely have a recollection and that I did have an article in The New York Times once. Um, sadly, it might have been when Boogie died, but I can't remember. It, it was some t- something that I was in the New York Times. Um, but my first ever article appeared in the New York Times today, and man, what a layout. So they took – so now everybody knows the New York Times owns The Athletic. Well, it started this past week where basically they're taking – uh, one or two athletic articles a day and putting it in the New York Times. And the reason why it took so long is I think technically if you're not in their union, you couldn't have your byline in the New York Times. That somehow has changed. I don't know all the ins and outs. But I wrote a feature on Jacob Truba a couple weeks ago. And man, did they give it a layout. It's the front page of the sports section, all color art. Like I know it was so good that Truba loved it. Uh, so uh, in terms of like what it looked you like. the story, the quotes. Yeah, exactly. The quotes were great. <laughs> So if you uh, get a print version of the New York Times today, uh, uh, that's I in there as I well. I have an electronic subscription to that. I'll yeah. have to check I don't it know out. if it's in the electronic version. I've had stories in electronic since The Athletic uh, was bought by the New York Times. But this is the first time that we've allowed it to actually be in the print. I don't even – I never even looked to see if it's actually on NewYorkTimes.com. But here's something funny. I went to Barnes & Noble today to meet up with uh, Natalie Darwitz, and they have New York Times there. So I was like all excited to get it. Gets the one section missing from that New York Times. Is that right? Sports. And I always used to get into fights with news writers at the uh, Strib all the time. And they'd like be kind of sometimes they were a little ticked if they like, you know, like when you're in a union like the Strib had and they did layoffs, sometimes it was based on seniority. And they would sometimes keep sports people over other writers. And these people get so upset, which I totally respect. But I remember one guy came up to me and was all pissed off essentially that I wasn't laid off. And I remember telling him like, let me ask you a question. When you go to holiday or speedway or go to the airport and you buy a star tribune, what's the one section missing all the time? It's the sports. Cause that's what people grab to steal. So <laughs> it's maybe, not the business maybe sports section. Sports fans are just the most criminal. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not the business section. It's not the news section. It's I don't not know, the local me, section. I would probably grab the variety section cause I want the puzzles. Yeah. You definitely, you should, you would probably love the New York times game session. You, you, I'm well, sure, I yeah. do the, I, I, I do, do the mini crosswords. There are crosswords in the Star yeah. Trib every day, which I do subscribe to that. So I get that at my house. I get the New York Times crossword every day. I do do their, their online puzzles. I, every single day, I do the quartal, the octortal, yeah, the I set of quartal, yeah. and the set of quarter every day. It's my way of keeping my brain occupied while yeah. I'm on a treadmill or an elliptical or something like that. But I, I do do those puzzles every day. All right, let's talk about the while we have, and we have a ton of questions. Uh, so let's get to that, and we have to finish obviously within uh, a little bit to to get up to uh, the press box for the game. Um, let's start off with uh, with a different name that we haven't really discussed a lot on the podcast, but that's Juju Kara. Um, getting his third straight preseason game tonight. He's played really well, scored the goal in Dallas the other day, scored the goal in uh, Colorado the other day that would have been the winner until Riley Tufty scored with nine seconds left. Um, big body, great penalty killer, moves well, has been in the league since 2016. So clearly uh, this is somebody that has not sift, sniffed the minors, had to wait till all of camp to sign because of his health situations that he's had the last couple of years. Two-way deal, which puts him at risk of being put on waivers and sent to the minors. 
Um, but man, it, it sure feels like they're giving him every opportunity. I still don't know if he makes the team because of their cap situation. And what, if he's not in the opening night lineup, which if they're healthy, how is he? Even though he might be better to put on the situation than a Connor Durer, even a Pat Maroon. Uh, you know, most likely I would think that Maroon, Durer, and, and Duhame start opening night. But uh, what do you think of him so far in camp? Well, all reports have been great. And I think you're exactly right. The big question is, what are they going to do? We've just speculated and assumed all year that because of how tight they are against the cap, that there's a very good chance they only keep 12 forwards when camp breaks. And that the mathematics tell you that that puts Jujar Kara and Vinny Letary in spots where they're likely to be placed on waivers. And keep in mind that for somebody else to claim them, they have to put them on their active roster. So you're not talking about other potentially contending teams that would likely have an extra spot there. But if you're Chicago or you're Anaheim or somebody like that, maybe you grab one of those guys and say, we'll claim them. And, and we have space, we have a potential spot in our opening night lineup for them. I think it would be great if you could keep both of those guys as depth guys, Letary's, kind of your next top six, maybe top nine guy, and Kara's maybe your next bottom six, bottom three guy, depending on who you need. But the math just tells you that it's almost impossible to keep guy. Maybe you keep them for a couple of weeks just to make sure that you get out of camp with everybody healthy the first couple of weeks of the season. But at some point, you're going to have to put one of those guys on waivers and send them down, if not both. Yeah. No I'm matter looking, how good they are, no yep. matter how well they fit. I'm looking for a message right now that I had uh, stored for a while, but I can't find it. But the only way that I could see if they're healthy, that they create cap space, that would be interesting, Anthony, is if you put a John Merrill on waivers and send him to the minors, you do get, I think it's 1.15. I got to look it up in a salary cap. Um, you know, uh, here we go. I think I got to find it. I think it's 1.15 that you're allowed to bury in the minors. Um, and he makes, I think, one, two. But regardless, it's not you're not bearing all that because they would need a seventh defenseman on the lineup. But maybe you take somebody and say, you know what, Merrill, you're going down and you're putting a um, and you play Galagoski and then you have Dakota Mermis or somebody as your as your 700. Yeah, so, so you say, say it's a way of 400 grand. and you could put Kara on the thing and at least you're crewing uh, something. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's just really interesting. But again, if Kara's not in the opening night lineup, unless you think that he's going to be taken off waivers, um, which there's a risk. Um, I, I don't know. Well, let's I, just say that you have to make your decision between one of those three guys, meaning Letary, Kara, or Merrill. Which guy's most likely to get claimed if you put him on waivers? Right. I could see John Merrill getting claimed, and I don't think they want that to happen. Yeah. I think I, think I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see as much of Merrill as we see of Goligoski in the lineup on this team, if yeah. not more, yeah. depending on the opponent, depending yeah. on how those guys play. But I don't think they want to lose him. No, and I don't think so either. So I would, but maybe other, a salary makes them prohibitive. Maybe, um, but you the know, other two and, guys. And for those are, saying, why don't you say Goligoski? Goligoski is a no move, so he can't be put on waivers. No, so I would. My guess would be, and this is a one hundred percent speculation, and maybe that's unfair to do, but I, I think the newer signed guys, rather than the guy who's been a part of your organization for a while, yeah. would be the first guys you'd yeah. put on waivers, and and if somebody claims them, then you have to lean on. There's there's some other guys. If somebody claimed Vinny Letary, there's guys like Sammy Walker that that probably, frankly, aren't that different from him in Iowa. That maybe he becomes your your next guy up, your depth guy. And you know, in terms of Kara, I don't know that they have that obvious next guy that fills those kind of roles. But I would bet those are the two guys who wind up on waivers when this is done. Yeah, um, makes sense. And one name we haven't really talked about is Sammy Walker, who's also having a great camp, but he doesn't require waivers, and we all know in the NHL uh, uh, contracts like that roll the roost. If you don't require waivers, you're usually a, a expendable. The up and down guy, but that's what yeah. I'm saying is so yeah. that if you look at the difference between the guy that they have here now and his potential replacement in Iowa, the closest gap might be between Letary and Walker. Right. And so if that's the case, he becomes the no-brainer to put on waivers and say – 
if we'd love to keep him, we're we're hoping he doesn't get claimed, right? Yeah, and so you put him on waivers, and if he does get claimed, Walker just slides into that next man up spot right. for that type of a role yeah. on your NHL team. And that's just the way the NHL works. I mean, we saw it with Zucker, we've seen it with Scandella. I mean, if you don't require waivers, you usually take trips down I thirty five. With winter closing in, the last thing I want to one is to be left out in the cold. That's why I reached out to Aquarius Home Services. In no time, they dispatched a skilled technician to perform a furnace tune-up. Just what I needed, professional, knowledgeable, and efficient. The technician prepped my furnace for the impending cold snap. And by the way, you can just go on my Google reviews and you can see what I wrote about uh, Michael, who was the last person that came to my uh, place about a, uh, two weeks ago. He was just unbelievably, uh, unbelievable and professional. Aquarius delivers a five-star furnace tune-up experience, a comprehensive evaluation of your entire heating system, results shared, and any questions answered with a smile. And here's the best part right now. You can save 100 bucks on this essential service. Aquarius ensures transparency with upfront pricing and even offers their no breakdown guarantee. Don't gamble with winter comfort. Get your furnace in top shape with Aquarius Home Services today. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. Here's a word from Chris Lindell Real Estate. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindell Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindell Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chrislindahl Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. All right, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta back here at uh, XL Energy Center before the Wild play the Colorado Avalanche. No Jake Middleton versus Keaton Middleton showdown tonight. I was hoping to see the brothers in action, but uh, Jake has the night off and Keaton will be in the lineup for Colorado. So that'll at least be fun for Jake to sit in the press box and watch his uh, brother from afar who uh, is big and skates well. And uh, and it's amazing that he's not in the NHL. He's a good hockey player. Um, I've gotten to know Jake really well over the last uh, year, and uh, I bet you Keaton's exactly like him. I've talked to him on the phone for interviews and things like that. In fact, I'm talking for my part two Eric's next story. I'm talking to his brother Ule uh, tomorrow uh, via WhatsApp, so that'll be a real fun story as well. And as as you saw today, I'll be quoting a lot of his mom and dad and other people in that story. I talked to Brodine today. I talked to uh, Joe Hansen. It's going to be a really, really cool story. That, so that's coming up in The Athletic. Um, let's go to Twitter questions. Unless, Anthony, there's anything else you want to get to, we, we covered a lot on the last show. Um, really, nothing has changed. Um, you know, we're going to see Hartman and Kaprizov and Zuccarello uh, debut tonight. Uh, Eric's next debut. See Rossi. Yep, uh, we'll see Rossi tonight um, with his line for the first time. He's right. he's played uh, the previous two exhibition games, but not with his line. Sorry, he didn't play in Denver, but he played in Dallas. But he played with Pat Maroon on his right tonight. He'll play with Freddie Goudreau, Marcus Foligno. Um, so I know the the Wild will be looking at that. Uh, Spurgeon debuts tonight. Uh, Brodine debuts tonight. Uh, Brock Faber will be with Brodine tonight. So uh, a lot to like from tonight's game. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting from here to the finish. And I haven't really pressed for details on who's going to play what, but I would think we'll see a lot of these guys in three out of the final four mm-hmm. preseason games. 
especially some of the the line combinations that you just mentioned. They got to find out yeah. if these guys are are good to go, and they want to. I know they want time for these guys together yeah. at game speed, and there's no way to simulate yeah. that. Well, I'll tell you one thing that we are going to see is them pretty much all in the last two games in Chicago and the home game against Dallas because uh, on Saturday after the game they are going to do a mass cut uh, because they leave for Duluth on Sunday and they're only bringing about twenty. Uh, three extra guys is what um, D- what Dean said this morning. So if that if if the third goalie is one of them, I would think one's Wallstat. I would think the others are probably Latarian and Kyra, um, which would ma- lead me to think that Walker's probably going down. Right, and then yeah. you've got your one extra defenseman. So exactly. that would be your that would put you right there to twenty four guys. Yeah, with it, a third goalie, two extra forwards, and one extra D man. Yeah. So uh, I think we're gonna get. Pretty much uh, cuts coming up minus the two extra guys yeah, that could so be that, sent. If those guys were all going to play the last two, you'd be, I would assume that on Saturday night here, we'll see the two lines that practiced this morning that aren't playing tonight. Right. The, the Eck, Boldy, and and uh, Johansson line, and then the fourth line of, yeah. of Dewar, Maroon, and Duhame. Yeah, maybe we see in Chicago, like maybe in Chicago they play Kara and not Dewar, and maybe the final game, the opening night lineup, if Dewar is in it, we'll, we'll see. You know, the other one is getting Maroon because Kara can play wing. And, and even last year in Tampa, Maroon wasn't an everyday player. So, uh, you know, I just think Kara, we're going to have to start to get used to him because I think he's going to be uh, we're going to he's going to be on this team at at least times this year. Um, all right. Let's get to uh, some Twitter questions. We have a lot of great ones, actually, today. Uh, Minnesota Wild Source asks, is there a noticeable difference in the way that Rossi skates? Um, it looks to me like I talked to, to um, Andy Ness the other day and uh, they've completely changed his stride where he's now more on top of the puck and 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 things like that. You can read the the skating coach jargon in my story the other day. But, he, uh, you know, he, he just looks more powerful on, the, on his on Yeah, his well, and he, as we talked earlier, he gained 15 pounds, and a lot of it is lower body strength. And I think that's, that's as much as anything what they changed with him. But I always thought his first couple steps were, were plenty quick. It was just he didn't ever seem to have that next gear when all of a sudden he was in space with the puck or in pursuit of a puck. And it, we've seen a, a few instances in some of the – camp practices where he all of a sudden has shown a little more explosion we'll see he have to he has to show it in a game yeah has to show it in a game and it even in preseason games i think we'll see i'm anxious to watch it tonight and see if he's a more visible player me too um phil johnson asks is the voice at home games that says scoring for minnesota number how is it done is an actual person there every game or a recording uh that is adam adam abrams he's also the twins announcer the only thing that's recording is the uh, play-by-play guy on tv when he yells scores right that's the only recording. <laughs> i just hit a button for yeah. that uh, the one where we know that it's not uh that you don't do that the one that proved it was your boldy call <laughs> i still think it's your best call and you, you were so out of breath it was not your typical like monstrous yeah, I was almost as out of breath as Boldy was trying to beat the buzzer on that breakaway. That was one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. It was that was a good one. No, it's Adam Abrams does a great job and he's been the guy here for a long time and at least it, well since I've been in Minnesota, yeah, which is he, 19 years. And he years. does do most of the Twins games too, so it's he's good and uh but yeah, no, I don't I wish I, I wonder if I could pre-record anything and just have a, one of the, you know, like the radio stations have the, yeah. the, the canned recorded. That'd be funny if you just like throughout the games, just, just throw, throw something it in, there in there once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Like if you didn't like, you know, like even just like, uh, you know, clear down the, like on a PK, just have it, just take a, right. take a swig of your coffee or your tea. Um, believe it or not, Anthony drinks tea during games. I do. You Well, before the game, I do for sure. And I usually do during one of the two intermissions just because I drink so much water during games, like eight bottles usually I go through each game. And at some point, it's like you just need something with some flavor in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't drink soda. I haven't had a soda in like 27 years. So it's I have to have tea is the next best option. Yeah. You have a urinal right next to you? Is that the deal? No, I, it's intermissions. <laughs> I, I have to. No, we've you talked know, about those yeah, stories. I have to we talked to about the, some of the Canadian buildings. Anthony's got to go on a little hike between periods and barely makes it back, as we've talked about. Yeah. Um, Kenny Albert did the uh, St. Louis Cardinals game that was like 17 or 18 innings like 10 years ago. And I immediately texted him like in the 12th because they don't have time. 
You know, there is no way to get to a bathroom if you're a play-by-play guy for yeah. a bat for, for. It's a you got to make a quick sprint. Yeah, and and at Target Field, there's a bathroom that's relatively close, but you have you'd have to make sure your analyst was prepared to take something just in case. But I'll tell you what the my all-time worst was, and I know you've shared the story of me being barely on time to get back in Edmonton, but I was calling St. Paul Saints games on the radio. This would have been back in either 2000 or 2001. I did the home games on television and the road games on the radio. And at Wade Stadium in Duluth, there is a press box, but it is basically a crow's nest. And it was the home radio guys sat up there. And then the public address guy and scoreboard guy were in there. The visiting guy, I sat at a folding table out in the crowd. And I was doing the games by myself. So when, if you had to go to the bathroom, you, you had to run down into the clubhouse to get to the bathroom. It, it was impossible. Yeah. So I remember at a commercial break one time, just there was not, nobody to talk to. All it was going to be is gnat sounds until I got back. So I sprint down the steps and I'm, they have the Duluth radio broadcast on in the concourse. So as I'm wrapping up in the bathroom, I can hear the Duluth guy welcome us back from the break <laughs> and start calling the game. So at least I knew when I got back that the leadoff guy had hit a double. <laughs> so I get back up there and I say, all right, well, runner on second, uh, and I hit an old one double. And so I think what you should have done is like, all right, all right, welcome back. Oh, and a leadoff double. Yeah, the I right should have just like, you know. given a clap. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, a line shot down the line. Yeah, that was that was the worst spot I've ever been in. Where there was nothing I could do, I had to go to the bathroom, and I just. What if you got down there and it was occupied? How I was. I went in the clubhouse. Oh, okay. And you know what the best part of that story is? Is I I went in the clubhouse just for that reason because uh-huh. I I didn't want to take the risk of our manager had been ejected, so the <laughs> manager's in the clubhouse when I go running in there. And his name was Marty Scott, and Marty says what are you doing here? I said, Marty, I, I, I had to go to the bathroom. So I'm standing in the urinal and he's over leaning on the wall, lobbying to me why he shouldn't have gotten ejected <laughs> from the game. Like, did you have a good look at that call? What a ridiculous call. And it's the same guy that screwed up this call last night. And you're like, and, uh, all right, and, Marty, I gotta go. Uh, Marty, I gotta run. Yeah. Do you want to come up and be the color guy for that? Yeah. And he's like, I better not do that. I'll get in trouble. But so I sprint back upstairs and finish up the broadcast. I had a conversation with a well-known hockey person today. Uh, <laughs> That uh, it was the same type of thing. I'm like, it wasn't that I had to go to the bathroom, but it was that I had to go to get to Burnsville to meet. I did not want to be late to Natalie Dorowitz. And uh, and uh, it was like one of those where I'm like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow when you get to town. Like, you know, he's coming uh, to Minnesota tomorrow, just coincidentally. All right, uh, Michael Vetter, Eddie Vetter's brother, I think, uh, says, how about a non-wild question? Which two teams, one in the East and one in the West, is your pick? For the surprise team that overachieves and perhaps makes the playoffs, Ottawa, Detroit, West is tougher, maybe Arizona. Um, I actually think Arizona is going to be pretty decent this year. I like Ottawa. Um, They should, if they're healthy, be uh, good. If not, DJ Smith's gone. Um, I think Winnipeg is going to be much better. Um, Buffalo, I think this is their year uh, to really make some strides. Um, but I think you're, I think Michael's choices are pretty good. Ottawa and Arizona, maybe you're not as big. Into I Arizona don't think Arizona, the, if his question is who would be the surprise team that makes the playoffs, I don't think there's any way Arizona makes the playoffs. I think they'll be slightly better than last year. Mm-hmm. Even with Cooley they, and Dumba and Bukestad and Zucker. No. They There's so many great Minnesota ties there. There are though. great like, Minnesota you, you ties. Know, and be, we know all we do is win here. Right. And while the and all they do is beat the Wild when the Wild are in Arizona. Yeah. But I think Which it's... Which is a big change from years a ago. Huge change. I think Arizona will be better, but there's no way they make the playoffs. I think the teams in the East, those are the three. Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, I think, are the three that that have missed the playoffs in recent years that would have the best chance to get in. I guess if I have to pick one... I don't know how much of a surprise it would be, but if Ottawa gets goaltending, I think Ottawa's. I think they should be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I think Detroit will be improved. I think they're on the right path back, and and Buffalo for sure should be ready to take the next step. In the West, I actually think, I think Nashville will be better than they were last year. I don't know if they necessarily qualify as a team that would be a surprise team to make the playoffs, but. Maybe a surprise as any would be, I think Calgary is a team that everybody's overlooking because it's been such a mess there and was such a disappointing season last year. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they all of a sudden 
came out playing like they had played two years ago mm-hmm. when I really thought they were one of the contenders to win the West and just got run over by Edmonton in the playoffs. And I, it wouldn't shock me if they all of a sudden were able to rediscover a little bit of the magic they had a couple of years ago. You saying all this, are you still confident in this wild team making the playoffs? I think Minnesota's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I think they're the third best team in the Central. I think Colorado and Dallas are better. Now, this is all as we are at this time every year. This is assuming that there's no major injury somewhere or some unpredictable event. Like if Colorado loses Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr or Dallas loses Robertson or they lose Rope Hintz or Minnesota loses Kaprizov. I'm saying if these teams are essentially intact, I think Minnesota's number three in the division behind those two. I think the gap is smaller than it's been in recent years. I don't think a couple of years ago, I thought Colorado was the one team that had a level and a gear that nobody else could match. And they ended up winning it. And, and even that year, it wasn't like they ran away with the division, but I don't think that gap is nearly as large anymore. Colorado's not nearly as deep. I think Dallas will be a handful, but I don't think their defensive core is as deep. Yeah. And, so I, 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 do, I, think I do like the pickup of Ryan Johansson there. And, and uh, I think Maybe. Druin, if, if I like Dallas, I, yeah, I like think it, Dallas no, is I'm talking uh, like Colorado, like, yeah. like, uh, I mean, if, if Druin is playing with Rantanen and McKinnon, that, that, that actually yeah. could get him back on trap. Dallas is to me, the team that could take a major step. They could year. take a major step. And they were step, one win from the final last year. Right. And I, but I just think their defensive core, I, I like the, a couple of their top end guys. I don't think that their defensive core is as deep. They played great against Minnesota in the playoffs. I just, I still don't think Colorado's forward group is as deep as when they want it. They made some, they made some steps to get better, but there's a reason why Johansson's been on the move. I just don't know if that's a guy you hit your wagons to and say he's a winner. I, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I I will say I, I would agree with you there. I'm not the biggest Johansson guy that I was maybe five years ago, but um, you know, the one area where they really took a step back last year was losing Kadri, And at least they addressed that going into this season Yeah, um, on their I second, on their second unit. Uh, let, let's go on uh, Lewis right now. What a strange last name. Lewis right now asks if you had to have uh, the chance to talk to Shaw, is he doing okay mentally and in good spirits? I assume regular season and no contract would mean more isolation from the guys, but I know he's tough. Uh, we, we all genuinely care a lot about him. Um, he's actually in the locker room every day. Uh, the Wild are really doing him well. I mean, yes, he doesn't have a contract as of now. I think that he'll sign an AHL deal at some point, I think. Um, but but the Wild are doing like he is there. He's basically part of the team, not getting paid. Um, he was in the locker room today. Has his stall still in there? Went on the right, ice today, which is today. amazing for a guy that's not signed. And, yeah. and the Wild guys can't be on the ice with him, right? Because he doesn't have a contract. But Matt Harder was skating him today, which I thought was interesting. Uh, their strength and conditioning coach, but Andy Ness for some reason cannot for some bizarre reason. Yeah, so. I think it has just to do with liability. I'm sure. I'm not. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how that works, but but yeah, they they. They can provide him access, and not many teams. I, w- I can't imagine very many teams would do that for a guy that isn't under contract. Yeah. Um, Hardcastle McCormick uh, asks Any chance Durer gets usurped for fourth line center? We just kind of talked about that. He really doesn't look any better than guys like Kara, Letary, and Walker. This is him saying that, not me. Um, is, I mean, I-, I think that his speed, his PK, his ability to score shorthanded, um, you know, he is somebody that is still very respected in this organization. I don't I don't think that I'm not saying he can't be usurped, but I don't think he's just expendable. No, I don't think so. And I think those guys are gonna get the first chance to lose the job. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. It wasn't Hardcastle McCormick, was that a TV show? Yeah, probably. I don't am know. Am I thinking of am I thinking of the right thing? I don't know. I, I have never heard of it. So All right. And I'm old. Um I'm not thinking of McCormick and Schmick. I know that. I thought there was some great TV show though. that had Hardcastle in it. Um I just had I was all of a sudden thinking about like 17 different meals that I've had at McCormick and Schmick Schmidt and in Schmick, right? In yep. San Jose. Yep. Uh over the years. You know that you know the restaurant right next to yep. the um, now yeah. now a the a lot of game day lunches. Yep, at there. that Fairmont before it went under. Yep. Uh DD thirty two didn't it go under with the wild in it or something? No, there was another NHL team in it and it literally went under overnight and they had to like move out. 
Did they? Yeah, really? yeah. It was either the Dallas Stars or the Avalanche. We had or the already switched from, hotels yeah. when because, because I remember going yeah. there. We were staying out. It was during where, the pandemic. It could be, but yeah. we were staying out in the the area where we stay Valencia, now. What's it called? Uh, Santana Row. Santana or Row. And I remember a, at least a couple of years where we were staying out there, and when I'd come back from morning skate. I'd jump on a scooter and go to that Fairmont because there was a FedEx in the lobby. Right. So I would go there to print my line charts and then yeah. no and FedEx then anymore. back and catch the bus. Yeah. No, now I have to go to the FedEx the other way from the arena, down uh-huh. past that Whole Foods right. and go that way. But the So I knew that the hotel had shut down, but we had switched hotels at least two years yeah. before that happened. I didn't know that uh, yeah. there was a team in it. I never heard that story. You know that Whole Foods, I remember sitting outside once with Andrew Burnett when he was about, I was working on his Thousand Game article, and we were in, I was interviewing him there at that outdoor well, I mean, patio. You and I sat there and had a pregame meal there one time. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, people are just loving this podcast. Yeah. It's <laughs> Sometimes we do we forget there are bikes bar at Whole Foods. It was <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, remember those uh, sunflower yeah. seeds? I uh, you know, feel real. like I'm uh, talking to Kevin Gorg, who, you know, <laughs> Went to Arby's, had the salad bar, had the bakos. Right. Somebody uh, asked me, I can't find the question right now. Actually, I, I, will, I will, let me do a search on my computer because it was funny. All right. Question for Anthony. Let me give credit to where this is due here. Hang on. Who asked this question? Um, and of course, I just lost it. Um, it's about Arby's. Um, <laughs> it says, question for Anthony. I'll give credit in a second. Question for Anthony. Does he ever want to laugh or cringe when it's a serious moment in the game and he has to say, now a word from Ar- Arby's. I always find it hilarious. He's so calm about it. It, the story they're referring to, it actually was Nate Wendy's. Snyder, by the way. Yeah, it actually was Wendy's, not Arby's, yeah. was the story. But it, it's, I was doing Minnesota Wild pre and post game shows. And at that time, we always read the sponsor billboards. Tonight's show is brought to you by Live. And you'd get a card from the stage manager that would have this block of, of commercials. Well, all of a sudden, I get the card, and I'm about to say, I think it was John Adamich's Dodge of Burnsville or something, who was one of our sponsors, and a Wendy's logo flew on the screen. So I didn't know what else to say because Wendy's wasn't even one of our sponsors. So I was just, if it was one of our sponsors that just came out of order, I probably would have had a pretty good idea what their tagline was. But I just went with, who doesn't love Wendy's? And my producer immediately is yelling in my ear, like, what are you doing? You can't screw around with this stuff. And I, we get to the end of the commercials and go to commercial break. And Max was our producer. And I said, Max, a Wendy's logo flew on the screen. What the, what the hell do you want me to say? <laughs> and he says, so he goes and looks. He said, okay, we got to redo those billboards. And he said, but you just went with who doesn't love Wendy's? <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love Wendy's? I, should, I think I could be a marketing yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but, tell us about all this food. Tell us, tell us about Kowalski's. Yeah, it's well, we've had such a great, we've had a couple great deals with them lately. Had the Minnesota grown specialties down when we did the outdoor podcast in their parking lot. I had a great night with the crew at our house where they gave us those center cut ribeyes, but it, you just can't go wrong. And recently we just went back and had the scallops, which we hadn't had for a while. And as we've talked on this show before, don't be fooled by the smaller size of these scallops because they don't cook down and they're as flavorful as any scallop that you've had. Go there, check it out. Trust their guys at the counter it's outstanding. Margot and I also just had a, because we, our dinners are now most often for two at home, we can splurge a little bit. So we had Akaushi fillets the other night that were just melt in your mouth. Good. Enjoy it. If you want to have the best, you got to start with the best ingredients. So many of them are Minnesota grown and check it out at Kowalski's. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Get $250 when you switch to a Royal Credit Union checking account. When I go to Royal, I feel very connected there. See details and open your account by November 15th at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. Back here, final segment of Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta coming to you right before the Wilds' first home preseason game against the Colorado Avalanche. Let's go back to Twitter questions. Uh, DD32 asked, with Parisi not, still not signed and considering retirement, either it's the Islanders or nothing, how brilliant is it that Bill Guerin did the buyout when he did? Part two, if the buyout didn't happen, uh, how bad would this team be screwed by his retirement today? Well, if he officially retired, they would absolutely be screwed. And I don't know if the league would just let him say, hey, I'm considering it and let the wild off the hook. So they would, if you don't, this is why he did it. 
it was to get cost certainty. And um, and right now, to your point, if Zach Parisi had said um, in August or September, I'm not playing, um, the Wild would immediately have to get rid of $7.5 million worth of players, and that would be until they continue to pay off the cap recapture, which would be uh, big time. So that that is why he did it. And, I, I you know, again, uh, hopefully we see well, Zach Parisi. That's why he did it in rather than trade him. Right. I mean, he could have just kept him on the team. Right. But, but if, if he retired, were, it would have been cap recapture too. If the options so. were to trade him or buy him out, right. that's exactly yep. why But even not trading him or not buying him out, if right now with two years left, he said, I'm not playing, the Wild would be dinged with cap recapture. And so that is why they did that. Um, obviously, it, it's, it's killed them in the cap. But this, again, at least they know what it is every year coming in, not – not uh, all of a sudden, hello, uh, this is Bill Guerin. Uh, yeah, I'm not playing this year. So hopefully we see Zach again. I'm not convinced we are, though. Usually veterans that just aren't playing are just not going to – they're not skating. He hasn't been skating. He was just in Ireland. Like they're, you know, Which is really yeah. interesting because of how well he played, particularly late last year. And I thought it was some of the best hockey he had played in his years with the Islanders. And it surprised me a little bit that he just would have said that's enough. Uh, ben Hurdle says, hypothetically speaking, if this team were to win a cup, who is Spurge handing it next to? Uh, obviously, Zuki and Kirill likely hand it to each other. Any other obvious handoffs with this, te- with this team? I would think Spurge would give it to Broads, don't you? It would be like, to me, he's been here the second longest. Um, Broads probably gives it to Ecker. <laughs> you know, I, that would be my guess. I mean, Maroons won it. Fleury has won it. Um, you know, usually go that route. Yeah, I... Not without there being just somebody who had an amazing series or something like that. I think Brodine's a good guess. And but if there was, let's say Kirill Kaprizov just completed a series with five hat tricks, yeah, you yeah, might go that way. Yeah, here, please take <laughs> you it. You want did the this cup, first. and you just keep yeah. the cup all yeah. summer. Speaking of Broads, by the way, I had such a great interview with him today. He's that guy is just so funny. He's he's so much funnier than he ever like lets us write in print. You know. All of a sudden, he just starts dropping f bombs. You know that. I dropped the uh, what is yeah. the s word on uh, Gorgish <laughs> live. Yeah, that's that's happened. Yeah. See, I'm I'm learning. He I'm doesn't not saying just give the, words the Swedish now. blank stare to figure it out, like we learned on last yeah. week's show that um, Eriksson Ek has the figure it out stare. Yeah. Brodeen doesn't have that for some reason. Yeah, I know. Uh, Eric Hansen says, would you love to hear your guys take on the Columbus coaching situation? Should there be a hard look at how we assess if someone should get a second chance at coaching if dismissed? I mean, we'll just make this short and sweet. We talked about it a a couple shows ago, but I mean, this is why I said that I didn't think this was going away and that he was going to be in trouble. I mean, it just, uh, he didn't adjust. Uh, I don't know why he looked at anybody's phone. Um, and the hiring of him in the first place, as we strange. talked right away, it, yeah. it was really strange. And I think that's why no matter what the, I know there's a lot of talk. There's a guy in a similar situation right now in Joel Quenville, who's apparently trying to get back into the league just based on the fact that he's yeah. meeting with the commissioner and everything. I'm, I can only assume yeah. that the reason he's yeah. having those meetings is because he wants to get back in the league. But why in the world, if you were an organization, yeah. would you take that shot with the potential yeah. for we will never fallout. see Mike Babcock again in the NHL. But now because of this, I cannot like I've got to think that Joel Quinville, Stan Bowman, Bill Peters, who should never coach again anyway, um, who's a disciple of Babs. Um, but Quinville, who should never coach again for what he did and Bowman, um, I got to think they're all like, what the hell? Like there's who's putting their their career on the line right. now for those guys. Yeah, I was I was mildly surprised that there wasn't more fallout in Columbus about with the guys who made the decision to hire yeah. him. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Shane asks, is there a reason why Freddie Goudreau is always elevated to the first line if Hartman can't go? Eric Snack is our best center and can play with anyone. Rossi needs a chance. And I felt like it showed that Goudreau doesn't have what is needed for the top spot. Well, I mean, the reason why Goudreau was there was because they knew he was going to be a two-day placeholder, um, that Hartman was going to be cleared. So I think they didn't want to just mess with Rossi, one, give him a hope, and then all of a sudden move him back down. Um, and I think they well, wanted him playing with it with uh, Felino to start yeah. developing a chemistry there. And I think you have it was to see a placeholder that. move. And I think you have to have Rossi do something to warrant that spot. Let's say Rossi goes out and has a great game tonight, has a good game on Thursday, and now that same opening where you needed a placeholder 
presents itself. Now maybe Rossi's the guy, but he hadn't done that yet. And as far as Erickson Eck, they tried that. They started a season with Erickson Eck playing with those guys, and it just wasn't a fit. Yep. And I think they know that's not a fit. They also know that Erickson Eck is a fit with Boldy and Johansson. Yeah. So you don't want to disrupt that. You're trying to let all these guys get ready with the guys they're going to play with during, at least at the start of the season. Yep. And that's why they use placeholders in these yeah. spots rather I, than I, disrupt. I, I was actually the bigger surprise was I was surprised that in the first day of camp that they wouldn't have put somebody like Letary there. Like if you wanted Rossi getting in chemistry with Felino, why not, why not keep Goudreau on his line and then just put like a Letary there? But uh, but they didn't do that. Gene, Gene Parmesan goes, if Ogren misses a substantial amount of time this season, do you think he'll play in the Swedish Hockey League or the AHL next year? I still think that he would come over. Um, he was here today. Uh, super nice. Uh, just saying hello to him. He gets in the elevator with Brad Bombardier. <laughs> The director of player development, Bomber, as the door's closing, says out loud, sarcastically, you know, basically for us to hear at the media, he goes, all right, Liam, let's go get that thing amputated. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so at least comic relief. Um, I think he's got a little back issue right now. Um, So we'll see. Um, Justin Caesar asks, as a storyteller, how do you resist the urge to just tell all the things you know but shouldn't share? I would have a short career because I'd be spilling the beans about everything he says. I mean, because, one, you're a journalist. I don't think I'm a real journalist, but like I always see real journalists. I'm like, God, I wish I was like, you know, actually a journalist. But, but um, I don't, I don't know. Sports reporter? Are, yeah, I don't know. Sports writers aren't. That, true that was one of my all time favorite uh, lines. You don't even you you missed it. Yeah. What did you say? I said, "What are you a reporter?" Yeah. <laughs> It yeah. was one of my all-time favorite Danny Heatley lines. You asked yeah. him what he had done during the break, and yeah. he looked at you deadpan. Yeah. What are you a reporter? I talked to Heater the other day, and he's as funny as ever. Um. So, uh, um, uh, but back to my point, I mean, a short sample, if you start saying things that you, sh- that you're not allowed, you're just not going to have any trust and then you're, nobody's going to tell you stuff that you should. Yeah. I just you know? met a guy last night at the twins game. Who's a broadcasting student at the university of Minnesota. And he asked if he could chat a little while with some, and actually some good questions. I would give him credit for that because a lot of times you talk to these kids and, I'll go home sometimes and Margo will say, well, yeah, how did it go meeting with that guy? And I'll say, well, based on the questions he asked, he isn't going to make it in this business. But this guy had some really thoughtful questions and uh, showed him my game sheet and how I prepare and everything. But one of them he asked was developing relationships with coaches and players. And I said, the first and foremost thing is you have to develop a trust with them so that they know that you will never put them in a bad spot with what you say. And if sometimes even if it's, I'm in a different spot than you, or if a guy says something that technically is on the record, but I know it's going to make him look silly, I don't have to use it, where sometimes you might be somewhat obligated to say, well, this is what the guy said, I have to quote him on this. And I don't ever have to do that. So in fact, I have to go the other way sometimes where it's, I know that's not what he meant, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, Lucas Lawrence says if Flurry chooses not to retire at the end of the year, is Wallstead still in line to be St. Paul next year, or does it make the decision more complicated? I don't think it makes it more complicated because Flower, the, what makes Wallstead attractive next year, especially with their cap situation evaporating really quick, if whatever they decide with Hartman and Duham and Zuccarello and Felino with resigning them, is that Wallstead makes nine twenty five. Flurry is not going to play for the league minimum or nine twenty five. So I would think that regardless, this is Flurry's last year in Minnesota. And then we're going to see Wallstat next year. Or if they feel Wallstat's not ready, you go sign a cheaper backup. Um, let's see. A couple more. Um, Kellen Johnson um, asks, uh, a lot has been made about players staying in town this offseason to train. Have the Wild had this type of turnout in years past? Or is this an anomaly? It's pretty much an anomaly. I mean, a lot of guys usually come back in August. But this was a lot of guys. Boldy, Addison, Shaw. Uh, Rossi um, and many more. The, you know, a lot of the local guys do st- stay here, obviously, but most guys go back home. And this was a lot of the young guys. Beckman, I think, was here a lot um, as well. Beckman, by the way, who's wearing number eleven tonight in the Wild uniform. Uh, anybody ever wear number eleven in this organization? Uh, not that I can remember. Number I did twenty. See- the, there was a twenty the other night in Dallas. His right. name was Pat Maroon. Yeah, a little different. Yeah. Um, all right. That uh, doesn't jo- violate a buyout of any kind, does it? No, I don't think so. Joshua Velch- Velkef, I, I'm sorry for mispronouncing that. You always ask good questions, though, Joshua. Uh, who wins the cup this year? Who's most improved this year? Let's, who wins the Who's your cup? When, like I, on the Athletic Hockey Show the other day, I said Carolina. 
Um, I just hope that Carolina isn't the like the San Jose Sharks of this era where the Sharks always had the great teams every year but just couldn't get over the hump and their final try was 2016 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Carolina was so close last year. They get to the Eastern Final but then score – you know, what, nine goals in the series. I think Florida only had 11, but Florida still swept them, and it was just because they couldn't score. Yeah, I hope. I'd love – I wouldn't mind seeing Carolina. I like that team, and Dallas they're exciting. Is they're fun year. to watch. I think Dallas will be a handful. I hope it's not Edmonton. I think <laughs> I, I, I just – Why not? You don't want to see the two best players in the world? Win? I don't. I just don't want to see an organization that has had I, – I don't – there's just something about the way – that their team was built, the f- unbelievable good first fortune pick, in the pick, lottery. Pick, I mean, they, yeah, they had the first pick four times yeah. in six years, yeah, and and yet did absolutely nothing with it. And now I, I don't know. There's just something about it that I, I, I would, I'd rather see a lot of other teams win than them. I, I don't think that this is Toronto's year for however many in a year or in a row that's been. I'm just trying to think. I haven't really given this a ton of thought yet. I like the Rangers. I think they'll be good. I think Shesterkin's going to have a good year. Yeah, I'd, I'd somebody say, has him for 42 bucks. Not me. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'd say those are. I mean, I don't know that any of that is. It really answers the question. But I guess if I had to pick a team right now, Carolina's not a bad pick. But I'll just go somewhere else. I'll say it's. I say we end up with the Rangers. A couple more questions, Jordan. Any update on how Damon Hunt is doing? He's in concussion protocol right now, but I've seen him every day. He's in great spirits. He looks healthy. So I'm walking a bunch of his teammates back to the hotel today. Uh, bets, uh, place your bets. Great Twitter name from the Jake Lucchini fan club. What are your thoughts on his performance thus far? And can he beat out others for a spot on the roster? Probably not. Um, but he's had a good camp. Um, he played well the other night in Dallas. He's playing in tonight. He's noticeable every game. Um, but, but right now, He's not going to make a team over a Letary or a Cara or a Sammy Walker, um, most likely. Um, R.E.S. Uh, Ari Cold asks, uh, will the NHL ever get strict on teams announcing starting goalies prior to the game for fantasy and gambling reasons? Uh, no, they won't even make teams announce injuries, so they're not going to go with the goalie thing. Um, KKC asks, which wild prospect minus Jesper do you see making a push to make the team out of camp next year? I mean, maybe who's not enough, maybe Damon Hunt, maybe Sammy Walker. I think Sammy's got a shot. Um, Tug Romney asks, what would it take to waive Flurry's no trade clause? Do you think he'd accept a trade to the Lightning? I don't think he wants to move his family. That's why he wanted to stay here all year. Uh, here's the final question of the show, and it's a great one. God, we have so many good questions that I'm not getting to, but we do have to wrap up. I'll save some of these for our next podcast next week, and then remember October 11th is our podcast after that at Elsie's. Mitch, final question of the show, Anthony. All right. Any chance Russo can join the booth and do some color with you for no. this preseason? I think that would be a great idea. I'd say. Don't you want some quality insights and all that stuff? I would say that the chances of that, I'm trying to think of what would be a, would have less of a chance. I'll have to work on that for next week. No, I mean, it. I just don't think there's any way, but it it would be, we could have some fun in a broadcast yeah. booth. We could sit, you could come and sit in the booth with me tonight. We could just pretend we're on the air. I'll do that. Uh, we'll do that. You know what we'll do? We'll sit right next to Craig Leopold in the suite and do it right just, next to Just him. call the game. One on right? one side. And you can truck. second yeah. guess. Yeah. What in the world was ownership yeah. thinking when they hired this guy? <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, uh, final comment on the show. And just to get a little serious here um, to end the podcast, it's just something I've been thinking about all day. And that's uh, Kelsey Snow and, and Chris Snow's. Uh, two children. Uh, Chris Snow is the assistant GM in um, Calgary. He's been fighting ALS um, for more years than he was supposed to, uh, which just says everything about his battle. Um, and uh, I know Chris really well. Um, he was a wild executive here. He was a Star Tribune a hockey writer that uh, was right before me. And I, the one thing I've been, you know, Chris and I were really, really good friends uh, when he was a sports writer. I, I was thinking of all these like crazy stories with me and him. Like I remember in the draft in 04, him, not him with the strip, me at the Sun Sentinel in Carolina and me driving, driving him everywhere at that time. He was a super young kid. Um, and us both not knowing that in a year he'd be going to the Boston Globe to cover the the Red Sox and I'd be in Minnesota taking his job. Like, who knew? Um, and the other thing I was thinking is everything that says everything about him, his first day at the Star Tribune, Herb Brooks died. He didn't sit there and whine and say, I don't know anything about Herb Brooks. He just got on the phone, started making calls and wrote the most kick-ass obit ever. 
Um, he was such a gifted writer, such a gifted sports writer. When he came to the Minnesota wild, he, he befriended as a sports writer. He befriended Doug Risebrow and Tom Lynn and that whole crew. Um, when he came to work for the wild, um, you know, I'll admit we had a very complicated relationship. It was awkward at first. And there were some other things that happened along the way that probably made us, you know, a little, uh, less tight. Um, but the one thing that I have thought about all day, Anthony, is if he if he doesn't take that job at the Boston Globe, I don't come to Minnesota the next year. Um, and frankly, the way the Sun Sentinel has become, I probably would have been laid off almost immediately. Who knows if I'd even be in the business? So like in, in a way, you just kind of feel like I'm indebted for him forever. It got me to Minnesota. I've been here 19 years now. And it happens because he leaves. Like things happen like that. And so for that, I'll ever be, I'll forever be grateful um, you know, to Chris. Uh, his wife was an incredible writer as well. Um, as well. And by the way, if you ever see the stuff that she posts about Chris and on Twitter and all that, you'll know how eloquent of a writer she is. That's it for Word Seats in the House from Anthony LaPanta. This is Michael Russo. We'll talk to you next week. And then again, our next live show is October 11th at Elsie's. Thanks, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Hey, it's Mike Grimm, host of the Go Gopher podcast, inviting you to join me for a live on-site episode on Thursday, October 5th at Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll be previewing the Minnesota-Michigan game, which is that week, the battle for the Little Brown Jug. We'll give away a pair of tickets to that game, have a couple of gopher players on hand, and get everyone in the mood for Golden Gopher football. Head Flyer Brewing will have discounts, including great deals on buying Little Brown Jugs of craft beer. And the Little Brown Jugs are not that little. Thursday, October 5th, Head Flyer Brewing. Happy hour starts at 6. The show goes at 7. The Go Gopher Podcast. Can't wait to see you at Head Flyer Brewing.